You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues and our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Rowing's Paul Thompson. Paul started coaching in his early 20s when a hand injury impacted his ability to compete as a rower. He's now gone on to coach at the last eight Olympic Games, leading teams from Australia, Britain and China, and at each of these games, his teams have won medals. He coached the team of Kate Slatter and Megan Still to Australia's first women's Olympic rowing gold medal at Atlanta in 1996. In 2004, he became Great Britain's head coach for the women and lightweight squads, and led the team to win 45 medals at the World Championships, including 17 golds. While over the Beijing, London and Rio Olympics, the squad won 11 medals, including 5 gold. Then at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, he led the Chinese women's quad to gold. He's also authored two books in rowing and in 2013 was awarded a member of the Order of the British Empire, an MBE. 
Paul is the type of person who you feel instantly at ease with. The long arc of his career has given him deep experience with the highs and lows of life in elite sport and human endeavour. And this shines through in the way he talks about life and leadership. Some of the things he said that resonated with me were his explanation of how your physiology drives your psychology, how his experiences coaching in the UK, China and now Australia have taught him that you need to separate the nice to have from the key messages when it comes to communication, how the great coaches challenge you to be the best version of yourself and the importance of self-reflection routines to ensure you stay agile and relevant. The interview was a special one for us and I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. And just before we go to the interview, if you enjoy listening to the podcast and would like to learn more, head over to our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. There you will find more video and podcast content, a lot of it that hasn't been released on the podcast, that has been taken from the 150 plus interviews we've done with some of the world's great coaches. We also have a newsletter that features information on our latest podcasts, leadership insights from our guests, recommendations they have on books, articles or other media, as well as information on how you could engage with the other people from around the world who listen to the podcast in our live events. And now, please enjoy our interview with Paul Thompson. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Paul Thompson. Good afternoon and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Well, very excited to talk a little bit of rowing with you today, but I want to start with something really simple. Where are you in the world and, well, what have you been up to not only today, but potentially in the last week as well? I'm in London at the moment, to be fair, but I'm the performance director for Rowing Australia and we've just finished our, our world championships that were in Prague and the first of the post-COVID world, world championships, to be fair. So it's great to get back to a proper season of racing as well as a proper a proper world championship. And we had some some good results and a few things that we've still got to work on. So that's all, all part of the game, really, and that's part of coaching and, and high-performance sport. It doesn't stay still. It just keeps moving. It's in perpetual motion. Well, I'd like to start this conversation about perpetual motion and coaching and all things leadership by just name-dropping some of the great coaches that you've been involved with. There's Jürgen Grobler, Peter Shakespeare, and Danny Carey from hockey. And I'd like to ask you, Paul, what is it you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Yeah, look, I think that's a, a really good a really good question. And fundamentally, you need to be able to see the performance that you want to get before you're even close close to it. So you can either intuitively or with the support of others be able to look ahead and, and see where those performance gains gains can come from and, and also how you can engage and connect with people because high performance sport isn't a comfortable thing and most people try to be a bit comfortable. So you've got to sort of pull them along in an area that can be challenging and confronting to be the best version of best version of them. So the same theory applies applies for the coach. So in essence, I think you'll find most of the great coaches have got a good vision of where they want to get to. They're very authentic. You generally know where you stand. They're resilient because you don't go like great athletes. You don't go through a career without some wins and some losses and some uh, some interesting times. And they're also very reflective because that's how you improve. Talking about reflective and resilient, you've coached crews at a seven 
Olympic Games. But then it gets even more complex because you've coached those games with three different countries. And I'm really interested to know what this experience over the arc of time has taught you about the vagaries, the undulations, perhaps of human motivation. Yeah, it's a really good good question. And I guess it makes me sound like a bit of a bit of a journeyman, to be fair, but I've had a pretty good, pretty good run. I've had three Olympics for Australia to start with, four for the UK, one for China, and now I'm back with, with Australia. The UK is not Australia with the sun. Every country's got their cultural pieces and politics and different systems that you have to adapt to. And the for previous question about what's a great, what is a great coach and If you're able to get results with different athletes in different environments or different countries, it gives you uh, an insight and confidence into knowing where you need to to lead with that. Yeah, look, I think the the, the lessons that you get from each of the, the different systems and you look at your own country and system a little bit differently, you know, the strengths of the states and having that sort of little bit of competitive tension there all the, all the time and being able to be able to harness that which Australia needs to do and then with UK you know they're really an innovative society geographically it's very different so you've got a lot more connection into into what you do there and and the teamwork that's developed there in the rowing and and the system that's been developed over the last 25 years is is outstanding and then the Chinese system which is very different culturally as well as structurally. And, okay, if we just talk about motivation, there are differences and people do the sport for different reasons. In China, it's it's a lot more transactional. It's a way for people to earn an income and come out of their situation. That's different, but no more different than when you're dealing in a different way with the Western athletes having their sport but also making sure that they've got a career to move on to afterwards and being able to to harness what they've learnt in the sport to be able to to use it in other in other walks of their life. And you know, from a coaching sense, my Mandarin would say is rudimentary. I can order a drink and I can tell someone how to push their legs a little quicker and take a bit more time on the, the recovery of the rowing stroke. But we work through a translator. And so in a coaching sense, it's a really interesting conundrum because you have to build your relationship with, with them and then you need to be able to teach a translator how to get your message across. So how you set the, the, the training session up, then the delivery of the session and then the debriefing is really important. I've got a good friend who's a skeleton coach, so he used to draw and he found that a really effective way, getting all the, the athletes to, to draw, you know, the lines they'd take and the technical changes they'd need to make. And in, in the rowing world, we'd have the whiteboard up and, you know, it'd be in, in English and Mandarin and being able to just have as much clarity about what the purpose of the session is, what the objective, what we wanted to get out of that, that session and what they needed to do. And then there's probably a little bit less when you're on there. So if you wanted to introduce something new, you'd have to do that on the land before you got on the water. So there's definitely a lot more preparation. But in returning to the West and going out with some coaches, it's quite interesting because you have to make your, you just have to be short, succinct and clear that your message gets across. 
And then you go out with other coaches and think, oh, my God, I hope I didn't talk that lot, that much. We're okay. And you have to think through what's the, what's the nice to have, but what's, what, are the key, what are the key messages that are, that are getting through? So in, in that sense, it's been quite, quite an interesting process. Rowing is a very measurable sport, Paul. Lots of data, lots of time splits. But I'd actually like to ask you about a time you looked beyond the data to improve performance. Yeah, look, I think it's that the stopwatch doesn't lie, said as any true coach will say. And data's really important, but you can't forget it's people. The British team, we had a, a fabulous home Olympics in, 20, in 2012 and the squad I was looking after, we got three golds and a couple of silvers out of that. And part of a, the team with the men's team, we got, got nine, nine medals out of that. We always knew psychologically how do you prepare for that. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Dawny Roar, that Self and uh, David Tanner were going up and we're getting the, the Mexican waivers. We're going, we're going, right, well, the moment in those athletes' careers where it's the most. So our team doctor at the time engaged with one of her old or her old um, medical colleagues and he'd worked into some business and he was a surgeon and just about how your physiology drives your psychology. So if you're, if you're uh, what stage fright, well, that's part of the flight and fright response, yeah? So if you can control your physiology and your heart rate variability, then you can, can control your psychology, yeah? When you're in front of the world's cameras at the start line, you can hear the crowd roaring down there and you're about to have the most important moment of your race and there's just this right, there's two-minute silence before the, the flag drops. And what's going through your, through your mind there? What's the most important thing? Because that, that can be at a point that you miss. So some people need to be high up on the arousal curve some people need to be low so so how do you how do you balance that out so we did a real piece on on managing your emotions apparently there's 34,000 of them 17 of human emotions 17,000 positive 17,000 negative so I'm led to believe some Tibetan monks counted them I'm told that was a really good way to be able to teach the rowers about themselves and about what they needed for a peak performance and that connection between the physical and the and the mental to get the most uh, to get the most out of themselves so there has been some really really interesting pieces on that and I had a crew the following year that based their whole race plan on their emotional state so didn't have any of the technical bit they ended up coming fourth in the world but that was really effective and worked for them is there anything in those lessons that you've been part of or been, you know, been privy to that could be applied to a person getting ready to give a presentation or a parent about to have a difficult conversation with their child? Yeah, 100%. When you're going to do your presentation and however, whatever level your business is at, getting that deal is going to be really, really important. Well, you need to be able to be coming through and be the best version of you to deliver that. So, yeah, it's all about human performance. So when you talk about the data, we like to think of rowing as the, the, the noble sport. It's the horses, not the chariot. So, it's, so in, in rowing, the equipment's quite, it, it is restricted. So any new innovation that you make on the equipment has to be affordable and available to everybody in the world in January of the year of the Olympics. 
So your advantage is in the person. So, so how you train them, how you get them working together, how they can handle that moment in time is really key. And a lot of those skills are, are transferable across into the business world and into the, into the performance and other worlds. Paul, it's just me and you talking. Nobody else is listening. What would be a secret that I could apply tomorrow? Well, I'm not sure if it's a secret, really. As you mentioned, you need to be able to have difficult discussions when they need to be need to be had. You need to be able to build trust and communication and relationships because even for a single scholar in our sport, they've got a coach and a physio and a support team around them that they need to bring bring with them. You need to be able to exploit personality differences in that crew to be able to get the sum greater than the whole of the parts. And confidence is a, a key thing. So you've got to be committed to action to take that. We spoke earlier about resilience. And that's how you build the confidence in your thing to do. But in essence, the mantra I still keep coming back to, and this is the secret, the more gold medal quality strokes that you take in training, the more gold medal quality strokes you'll take when you're racing. So what you do, and whether that's in the business or or in sport, the more your daily the quality of your daily work is going to equal the output of what the outcome that you that you want so it's just really about staying and getting the most out of what you're doing at this moment in time ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You said a minute ago that rowing's a beautiful sport. There is actually a beautiful rhythm to rowing, especially when you watch it every every four years when it comes on the Olympics. You know, there's this synergy between the team's bodies, the oars and the water. It's, it's, uh, it's very beautiful to watch. And I was wondering if I was to ask you to take a group of people who have never rowed and through the course of one afternoon to try to teach them this rhythm, what would you do? But I think, first of all, if you want to create a team, you have to find some connection. You have to be able to get the the people talking and give them all the roles so that they've got clarity in what they do. Because in the rowing boat, you've got someone in the stroke seat who sets the rhythm. And that works really inside that with the person sitting behind in the seven, if we're in an eight. Yeah. And then you've got like the powerhouse that come together. And then you've got the people that are really quick to be able to pick up the boat at the catch in down in the bow because it rides a little bit higher higher at the catch so you'd have to get those people together 
and then we try and connect them together and just see if you can run because that's that's what rowing's like. It's like having uh, 1,500 metre sprinters. It's about the same time and tying them all with a piece of rope and having to work, walk, uh, run in, race in step around. So so communication's a, a, a big key. But we can get them on the ergo first, get them swinging together and then, then get that moving together and then moving outside. And you do that, get that um, entrainment, like the birds flying around around together, you do get that quality when when it's in sync because it's not in sync with each other. You have to be in sync with the boat because you've got the drive, then the recovery phase. It's uh, rowing's a bit like golf. You take a swing and then you get one stroke right, and oh, that feels good because you get the run of the boat underneath you. And then you try and do it again, and it's not so good. So that's how that's how you end up developing that together. I'm actually fascinated by that. You just talked about that stillness. It's almost like, I mean, I'm going to use my layman's language. It's like a micro recovery, and it mm. happens after every stroke. And I and I wondered whether you had any learning about the balance between intensity and stillness, or work and recovery. Well, that's the essence of your rhythm. When you were talking about your rhythm, if you want to see it, it's like most sport. If you want to see a good a good crew racing, it always looks like they have more time during the recovery and that timing with the boat. And so as much as, and the best way to get that is relaxation. So you've, you've got to be going as hard as you can in one direction and then basically switching off and letting the boat do the work in the other. And if you don't time the entry and your force on the spoon, if that's out, you just keep the boat backwards. So you can get a peak speed, but you can't go the distance. It's technically, it's quite a difficult sport. If you look at the men in the single skulls, they're up around 100 kilos, 105, you know, 98 to 105 kilos. The boat weighs 14 kilos. So, so you're really, you're really there on a wafer thin piece of carbon there. So the skills, skills involved is, is, is more than what the layman would think. Paul, I've got this quote from you. You say, you've got to walk down the corridor of mirrors and take a good hard look at yourself and be reflective and come back and change. You mentioned self-reflection earlier when talking about great coaches, but I'm wondering, could you tell us about your self-reflection practices? Yeah, look, 100%. I was trying to remember where you got that quote from because it does sound quite harsh, but essentially that's what you do need to do. Look, I've been really fortunate. I've had executive coaching through some fabulous programs through UK Sport, to be to be fair, you know, doing 360-degree reviews with people above and below and having a look. And then, like with most athletes, you get pretty direct feedback from them sometimes when you ask for it and other times when you when you don't. You know, I think you need to be able to, as a great coach, it's not about you, it's about them. So you have to be able to reflect and you have to be able to be agile as well because as you get older, generations change and society changes and you have to make sure that you're keeping relevant. So you need that agility. Mentoring of got a group of trusted critical friends if you like that I've had for many many years that are also coaches in other sports executive coaching the, the athlete feedbacks always always good good review processes and also a diary so out of all that just keeps you on your toes and you always try and be the best version of you the other interesting thing about this self-reflection and this focus on your individual on you as an individual is that in rowing, you can't control what your competitor is doing. 
you know, you, you can only influence your performance. So I imagine that this focusing on the self is actually a key skill. How do you help the athlete look inward so that they can perform better outwardly? You're 100% correct there. When you're racing, it feels like someone's moving away, but actually you're probably just slowing down. Like I said about, okay, before the start of the race, where you need to focus in on, guess the way I describe it and a sports psychologist that I had years ago, you've got your hard eyes, which is what's happening in here and now, and you have to concentrate on you moving. And then you've got your soft eyes where you can be you can be reading the race because if your focus gets taken out to the other boat, um, you're lost because you're not concentrating on what you're doing. So being able to stay in time and do that step, like I said, in together is re- really key. I remember um, fortunate enough to coach Kate Slatter and Megan Still who won in 96 in the pair and, okay, we knew they'd won, but Megan crossed the line. She had no idea where any of the other crews were because she was just head down and tail up. That's you know, obviously uh, not an extreme, but that's a, a very focused bit that worked work for her. But if, if you're worrying about what other people are doing, you don't have your full focus on, on you. So that's, that's a really key skill. And what's difficult is you get in rowing, ever since it was invented, 2,000 metre rowing, ever since it was invented maybe 200 or so years ago, you face backwards. So that means you've got to sprint out. So you go into oxygen debt. That's not repaid until you finish. Your lactates might go up to 12 to 16 millimoles. In emergency services, someone has a a heart attack. They're pretty much dead by the time it's three or four millimoles. The lead may change three or four times. And then we've had six or seven photo finishes here. You know, the, the finish might be a few tenths of a second or hundreds of a second. When the margins are so fine and the intensity is so high, if you get dragged away, you're not going to get the ultimate. You're the best out of best out of you because it's it's quite an uncomfortable. I know I'm not selling the sport too well. That's part of its allure. In that environment, you need to really be focusing in on what you're doing, and you have to be able to to have done that in training to be able to deliver that in racing. So, Paul, you were part of the UK Sport Elite Program, and I know that you ran many research programs through through that and they covered multiple countries and multiple sports just wondering as you reflect back on that experience now what were some of the things that surprised you as i mentioned before the uk sport were very innovative in their approach and they had a, a team of a team of people we see that in their cycling their cycling team with good groups of engineers and and so it was a, a privilege to to work with some of those people I, I remember going in one one meeting because they're all smarter than me it was like the brains of britain uh, could manage to manage to keep up but they looked in uh, in a lot of areas you know they developed a book called i think there's one book out called the talent lab which which shows about a lot of the talent id and they did a, a really good bit of research into What's the difference between a gold medalist and a medalist? And what's the difference between a medalist and a high-performing, a high-performing athlete? One of the things came around around the resilience piece. Early on in their life, they've had to overcome some sort of challenge to be able to you know, dust themselves off and, and then get them better. And there's also a lot of research there in that a lot of sports, the top sports people, this is probably something for us all over the world, was the talent comes from small and medium cities rather than the big the big cities. 
and whether that's you know access to to resources and to coaching the numbers are smaller the distance is less so yeah so they've had some some really really good they have had another study on yeah they they have certainly done some really interesting work Paul, you said earlier you've been coaching now for over 30 years and I wonder if I could take you back and introduce you to that 14-year-old who was being introduced to rowing at Tilopia High School. Knowing what you know now, what would you say to him? Okay, that's a that's a that's a good question. Apart from listen to your parents and behave, look, I've had a I've had a fascinating a fascinating ride. I must admit, my my father did sit me down at one stage and and say, "Well, look, this rowing's good, Paul, but really." So I've stuck to, stuck to my guns. But look, in, in reflecting on my own piece, I started coaching when I was young, twenty four. I had a a good rowing career, not to the heights that I would have liked, and I got knocked off a push bike. And so I had a moment there to say, right, well, this is good, but I better go and finish my degree and see see what happens there. So, so actually, uh, to the fourteen year old, I'd be saying, look, you know, make sure you stick at it. And some of those lessons we've spoken about today to apply to my own rowing, to be able to to have taken that a little bit a little bit for, further forward in the coaching and the the leadership piece. Look, it's all about people getting your messages across, building relationships, and I know. I know, I guess this is more lessons than just for the 14-year-old, just how supportive those peer groups are, how good those communities practice are. And that doesn't matter whether you're in business or you're in sport. And there's so many similarities around around that. You know, I've been really fortunate to coach with people. One was a emergency medicine doctor with London Air Ambulance. He's now down in Sydney working there and went out for a night with them. When you've got life and death in your hands and when when you're having to you're a doctor there's one like one doctor covers london when you arrive and you've got the ambulance there and a critical injured person and then you've got to take leadership over a small team it's real life and death decisions and so that shows that when you've got the theory that actually it comes into practice and it needs to come into practice when it really counts so back to the back to your question really would be to to make sure you you develop those and make the most of those and the opportunities are there you need to just go and find them Paul, one last question, if I could. And before I ask you it, I'd like to read a quote. And it comes from the announcement that went with your new position when you were announced as the Performance Director for Rowing Australia. And you say, I am passionate about engaging athletes, coaches and support staff at all levels of the pathway to prepare our programs for success in the long term. There are firsts in our sport that Australia is still to achieve. I want to see Rowing Australia win its first Paralympic gold medal and our first gold medal at a home Olympics when the Games come to Brisbane in 2032. Sounds like a pretty good vision statement to me, but I wanted to finish by asking you, when you do finally retire in the distant future, what's the legacy that you hope you've left behind beyond the medals? Yeah. Okay. And and that's a that's a really good really good question. And look, I, I'm hoping that we're able to develop a, a system where where people genuinely really want to be a part of it. So we've got a, a great great system in a, in Australia, but to be able to get to the national team and achieve their achieve their capacity, but then also be able to move on and apply those things in other in other areas of their life that moves on and and you can see that you can see that in in the uk they've got some real 
movement through, as we do in Australia, to be fair, there's ex-rowers in some really leading leading positions. And I think that's the, the quality of the program and the quality of, of our sport, that you're in it for life and that you're able to give back when you've when you have learned all those lessons, that you're able to give back to the community and give back to the back to the sport. So, you know, I think if we can develop that, we've got good good people in there, good capacity that we can we can grow and be a real world force in in rowing. Paul Thompson, it's been great chatting with you today. I love hearing an Australian accent on European time. I wish you all the best for the road to not only Paris, but on to Brisbane. And I can't wait to see Australian success at those Olympics and those Paralympic Games. Thanks, Paul, and fabulous to talk. Hi, everyone. You have been listening to the great coach, Paul Thompson. I hope you got a lot out of Paul's honest and authentic style and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. When I listened back to the interview with Paul, the other key highlights for me in addition to those mentioned in the intro were his view that the more gold medal quality strokes you take in training, the more gold medal quality strokes you'll take when you're racing. How he works with each individual athlete's arousal curve and wanting to leave a legacy of helping people reach their potential and giving back to the rowing community which has given him so much. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Richard H. who said, so many leadership lessons that are applicable to life as a junior coach. Thanks, Richard. We love the interaction with the people around the world who listen. And so if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. And if they're positive ones, then please let your friends know too. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.